0: Father, to obey your word, to know you, to love you, to be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within us, Father, and that hope is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior and Creator of the world, and we thank you for the honor and the privilege of being friends with you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. So yesterday we started talking about friendship with the world, and we started talking about what a friend is and, and what it, you know, in defining what a friend is and we talked about a friend being a person that you know or have a strong bond of affection with. Generally, exclusive of family relationships. Family relationships are a little more complicated. (laughs) It's complicated, (laughs) but uh, they're a little more complicated than that because they are blood ties and and things that that, spiritual ties that are a little bit stronger than a voluntary friendship. We also said uh, a friend is a uh, friendship is a strong liking or trust of another person. Where you lay down your animosity, you lay down your opposition and you decide to um, uh, connect with that person or um, support them, uh, be in uh, fellowship with them. Uh, a friend is one who is allied in a struggle or a cause. So you can have friends based on common um, needs and desires to, to survive, uh, to reign victorious, to win, that kind of thing. A friend is also someone you love and who loves you. That's pretty simple. Mutual feelings and personal attachment come with friendship. In the deepest meaning, of friendship is a covenant tie, and we talked about the covenant friendship being much higher, much different than just a casual friendship. In a covenant friendship, you must keep that friendship alive and there's um, an element there that has to be implied or employed which is called forgiveness and that is what keeps us as believers together it's not that we do everything right and it's not that we don't ever disagree or we don't ever offend one another or we don't ever breach that trust Um, everything's forgivable as far as God is concerned and Jesus certainly set that example for us. So, in a covenant—not this—I'm not talking about just a basic friendship, but I'm talking about a covenant friendship. It must be kept going. It, it cannot be broken. Never can be broken. And so, if you say a covenant friendship can never be broken, you have to have a means to keep it together. And the means of keeping it together is the the act of forgiveness. In forgiveness, there is a spiritual. Uh, Releasing of all penalty, all uh, blame, all harm, and all um, uh, offense and and judgment. Anything that is uh, lacking, all debt is released during forgiveness. So really that person owes you nothing uh, when they are forgiven. And I think that's the key to any kind of relationship that's going to work uh, there has to be a foundation there uh, for keeping that relationship together and and that that thing that ties us together is the act of forgiving and so when we employ the friendship of a covenant friendship that goes on from generation to generation. We see why it can. It goes on because there has been the penalty already paid for your offense, for your hurt feelings, for any debt that's incurred, anything that they've taken from you that's um, that's that belongs, rightfully belongs to you. That has to be paid for up front and it has to be real. And so when we employ forgiveness and we can walk in harmony with that person again, and as though they've never done anything, we know that there's been a real price paid because that thing would still be around. Think of how you uh, disliked and hated people. They're people that haven't spoken for generations because of offense, and, and uh, they don't know the power of the blood atonement. And when you know the power of the blood atonement, anything can be forgiven. That's how uh, people can stand before God and vow to love, honor, respect, you know, not diminish and not tear down one another until they die. You don't have the power to do that on your own. You need God's help. To do that, and so married people can always employ God's help. God will try and help keep sinners together. This isn't just for believers, you know. He anybody that steps into that marriage covenant automatically gets help from God to keep the to keep everything together. You know, you don't have the same benefits as you would if you had a covenant with Him, but you do have a marriage covenant, and that's a link to God. Many times God will save people through marriage difficulties because that's your pipeline that's opened up to get His help for you. And many times God will let you know, you know, you've got to get your your marriage on a sound biblical footing. And the only way to do that is you've got to surrender your life to Me, and I'll teach you how to have a marriage that I approve of. And so these things are are planned by God. There's there's a um, there's an automatic uh, I would say encouragement that things will work out when you live for God, when you have a covenant with God. There's no two ways about it. There's nothing he can't and won't do for us to help us. Uh, and we need to understand appreciate that. God's never short of answers. I think what we're short of is we're short of expectation for him to do what He uh, he knows he needs to do for us. You know, I was married for seven years and uh, my husband wanted a divorce and I kept thinking, well, what did I do wrong? You know, what, how did this happen all of a sudden? You know, it's always a shock to you. You're going about life thinking everything's okay. You know, you have a little argument here and there and, and you think nothing of it. You know, there's certainly nothing to end a marriage for. And then down through the years, I found out that he barely wanted to be married because he didn't trust marriage. Got me. See, been married before and been divorced. And when people have been divorced, very often they think of divorce as their friend and not an enemy. And see, when it's your friend, you'll go to your friend when you have trouble instead of going to God when you have trouble. And so God taught me how to go to Him. God healed our marriage, and I found out what we had before was barely a marriage at all. We didn't know anything about it mutual respect and honor and, and forgiveness nothing like that was employed and I thought boy oh boy how did we ever <laughs> plan to keep this ship afloat without God and so these are things you learn as you go you learn as you go and you learn that a blood covenant is very very powerful in that it can give people a new start all over again people would say things to me like well both people have to want to, and God would mm. "He said my blood is stronger than <laughs> my blood is stronger than his faults." You know what I'm saying, or stronger than his not want to's. And so that, and over the years that that has proven to be true, um, I've been able to help many people because I believe that. See, if I believed that both people had to agree on something before we could pray for it, you'd never get anywhere in your life. And I wouldn't either. And so that God doesn't tell you if your spouse believes, then he can do something for you. He said, you ask anything in my name, then I'll do it for you. And what you think a person feels and what they really feel are two different things. You know, we don't know how to judge a person's heart. We don't know how to judge what's in their heart. And you, somebody might tell you, well, I don't love you anymore. I said, Really? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> you think that scares me? <laughs> I've been to hell and back. You know, when you've been depressed for five years and suicidal, nothing frightens you anymore. <laughs> I'll tell anybody, I faced the devil night after night after night, and I'm still here. So nothing scares me. Got me? I'm not scared of your little devils. I'm not scared of your little temper tantrum. I'm not scared of your little whatever. So we'll, we just move on in God. And so when you when but when you are are responsible for other people, when you're a, a minister and a leader, you have to believe adamantly the word of God. I don't know how these people survive believing some of the wishy washy stuff that they call doctrine. You know. It's like a good time doctrine, you know. You, 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 I, I we'll have a good time in church as long as you don't have any problems. Got me. When you have problems, you gotta go someplace else. Uh That's true. That's why people always show up here out of the blue. They're over in somebody else's church, a good time church. Uh, we go over there and, and shout and dance and have a good time. But when you know it hits a the fan, then they come to somebody they know who knows God. You know, and you can't turn them away. You're a minister. You understand what I'm saying. You have to be here for people, and you know prophets had to have that lot in life anyway. We're always the people you don't want to be around all the time. You don't want to serve, you don't want to give, but when you get in trouble, <laughs> I had a girlfriend that that Would never come to our meetings. You know, she's always, oh yeah, God told me to do this. But she would send people left and right. She was smart enough to know she didn't have the goods. And she would send, yeah, you go over there. Them them watchmen, they know what to do. They'll get this straightened out for you. (laughs) So... So whatever you know I used to I said well if you're you know we're all all part of the body I said I guess if I'm the toe jam I'll be the toe jam if I'm the armpit I'll be the armpit you know whatever but you know we're all parts of the body of God and you know people don't know any different they just think you know they think it's supposed to be like that they don't know that if maybe if you come and sit and understand you wouldn't be in so much trouble all the time (laughs) if you learn something you won't be in so much trouble all the time but but God is good and and he wants to help save and protect and heal all of us and so there is also healing in God's covenant and that's the major major thing whatever it is that uh, life has has wounded you with God has healing and, and, and nothing else can do that for you but God. No one else can do that for you but God. And so he really promises to make us whole, promises restoration for us. He promises everything that's been taken from us will be given back down to our peace of mind, uh, wholeness in our hearts and our emotions, I know many times people have suffered divorce, uh, are hardened in their hearts. They're, they they do not do it intentionally being to shut people out and be mean, but they're protective of themselves now and they don't want to give and don't want to love and all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, it, it just, it, they just need healing from God. And so God's covenant provides healing. It provides a brand new life for us. See, there's everything. So, being a friend of God has extreme benefits. It has eternal benefits. He'll never leave us, never forsake us. He'll always be there for us. Which means that if you say like there's somebody in your life that you they were positioned in your life that you would depend on them for certain things. And they constantly um, let you down. That's what God says about not forsaking. See, they forsook. They left their, their obligation to you and disappointed you and left you to face that alone, really, is, is what happened, or not to get the problem resolved. And that's what for, to forsake somebody means. And we've all been there. I don't care if it was uh, a parent promising to take you to a, 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 you know, take you shopping or take you to the amusement park or take you to a movie or, or come to your prom or uh, something like that. There's all kinds of disappointments from people who are obligated to come through for us. And God says, I know those disappointments and I know they hurt you and that's not me. I'm not going to do that to you. So when you need me, I'm going to be there. Amen. When you need me, I'm going to be there. And so that's a good thing about friendship with God. Uh, it's a, it's not pals with God, but it's entering into covenant with God, where He upholds His, He keeps covenant and mercy. Which means, and you need him to do both. Because we don't keep our end many times. Sometimes we want to keep our end and do the best we can and don't. Sometimes we think we don't have to do that. You know, uh, somehow people want to hold on to what they call their independence or their sovereignty. To me, it's stupidity. You know what I'm saying? Just hold on. Keep your stupidity. And I'm going to go humble myself and go find God, you know. And so uh, many times we just recoil at the thought of letting go of everything. Why? Because we're really self-protective we we still fight many of us the poverty mindset that is not having enough for us we got to hold something back so that we can have something we don't like giving man in your flesh you don't want to give and so we will hold on to what we need to let go of, you know, if something, we used to have that little saying, probably still do, in, in and many, t- many times in, in church circles, if, it's, if it doesn't meet your need, you need to call it a seed. Got me? So if it's not big enough to do what it needs to do, you need to sow it so that it can increase and it'll come back big enough to do what you need to do. And so... And that's really oftentimes why we refuse to trust God 100% is that we feel if we let this one thing go, what are we going to have? What do you got now? You got one thing that doesn't function well in your life, it's not satisfying to you, so you need to let it go. You got me? And so uh, there's a freedom in trusting God, there's a freedom in trusting this friendship we have with God. And there is a wisdom there that taps into the wisdom of God. See, when you when you lay down everything and trust God one hundred percent, that's wisdom. You've done a wise thing. You've sown wisdom into your life by obeying Him in this thing, and so your wisdom starts to grow. You get so smart one day, you blow your own mind. Oh Lord, where'd that thought come from? I'm a work that you understand what I'm saying. You ever have a God thing slap your head one day and you think, "Wow, I never knew that." And, and you know, the older you get, and then these these revelations, God pours these revelations onto you. You think. How smart is God? Man, I've been walking with him for X number of years and I never knew this. Why? Because we serve a God of revelation. If he gave you everything at one time, you'd be a little nerve in a corner shaking all night. So he has to reveal himself to us little bit by little bit. And it's wonderful. It keeps life interesting. Keeps us from getting bored. It lets us give gives me hope that there's more to come. See, when you know there's more to come, you can hang around for a lot of years trusting God. So, our scripture is James four and we four four. Adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be friend of the world is the enemy of God. So you cannot be friends with two masters at the same time. If there's any world left in us, we're God's enemy. You're really not his friend. Because really he can't count on us. You got me? Friends are people that you can count on. And God wants to know he can count on people. I gave the example yesterday of a person that I'm helping to get their ministry off the ground and they had given they had planned a conference and and uh posted <laughs> posted face in facebook it was conference was postponed they didn 't give another date and so uh when I spoke to them by phone uh they and they never talked it over with me first, never warned me it was coming just blatant out there and I knew from the way it was done that there was some emotion there there was some immaturity there. It's no problem be immature, but be open to learn. You know, I mean, we all have immaturity in different areas, but we got to be open to learn. And so when I explained to her that I don't commit to people that are not committed, she was shocked. And I told her, I said, oh, no, I said, you know, I'll go along with it this one time. I said, but if this happens again, don't ask me to preach for you anymore. I said, I don't get involved with people. You got to get involved with people who are like you. I don't jerk God around. I don't consider this something you you know, in all the years we've had twenty years of having conferences, we have them faithfully, twice a year. We same thing with the healing schools, same thing with the weekly meetings. Faithfully. I don't sit at home in the winter because it's tough to get out in the snow. I get out in the snow and, and travel and do what I have to do because I am committed. I am a friend of God. He is my friend. You don't do friends like that. You got me? And so friends are committed. And so when I, I explained this to that person, they, they were, you know, oh, I didn't real. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I said, you got to stay out of the flesh, sweetie. I said, you got to stay out of your emotions. I said, because I could tell by the way you stated it, you were upset about something and you said, hmm, I'm going to take my marbles and go home. I'm not playing no more. I said, but this is not a game. And I just want you to be aware of that. When you get involved with God, you're involved forever. You don't stiff him and upset him. And you know what I'm saying? Treat his people like that. Because there are people who are depending on God and need God. And they need, God needs faithful servants to serve these people and she said well it wasn't turning out like i thought it was should and i said well you got too much of you in it i said that's problem number one you it ain't turn like i did not I, 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 this ain't yours. It's supposed to be God's ministry, you know. You're God's servant. Come on now, let's get a grip here, and let's get some some maturity. And so, uh, you know, they understood what the problem was. We'll see how it goes. But you know, I'm keeping my word to God. If it happens. It- I will gladly stay home rather than get involved with somebody who's flaky. You got me. I don't don't deal in that kind of stuff. And so because at some point you start compromising with their weakness and you pick it up yourself. You have to be careful. Careful what you fellowship with. See I see every relationship as a friendship and also a potential conflict. Because you'll get to a point where you don't see eye to eye on things, and you got to understand if you're seeing it God's way, and you can't compromise, you got it, and and you have to do that. And so, so it's it's good. Friendships are good. I love everybody, but I'm gonna tell you, I'm not going down with crazy people. I've seen too many people come and go. Over the years, and I know all the warning signs, (laughs) you understand me? So that's why we're talking about friendship with the world now, because it's very, very subtle in many, many ways, uh, what's going on in the world to deter believers from trusting God and for standing firm in the Lord. So we talked about friends having the same goals. We talked about that yesterday. So today we're talking about friends having the same beliefs. Beliefs. You must believe the same way the other person does in order to be friends with them. You have to understand what God believes and what the world believes. And as I said, it's very, very subtle. It's um, um, very seductive to pick up worldly ideas, worldly beliefs and habits... You know, sometimes people just are insecure about certain things, and they'll go along with whomever just to feel like they're secure now. They have somebody that they can rely on to tell them a certain thing, and you know, so and so's an important preacher, and they said this, and they said, well, you gotta check that out with the Word of God. You know, with anybody uh, that you listen to, and so our belief. Must be the same. We have to believe in the same God. We have to believe that He is the creator and maker of all things. All of the things in the Bible about God we have to believe. Sometimes people are not believing because they're not convinced, but they should be open to being convinced that the Word of God is true. God believes in us, and He believes in His ability to guide us successfully through life. So our faith has to line up with his faith. If he believes that we'll be successful in life with his help, then we must believe that too. And daily trust him. You prove it by daily trusting God. The world believes only in self-gratification. The anti-establishment in this nation and in many places in the world has now become the establishment. So many years ago, like in the 60s, we had the uh, hippie movement, uh, loose living, free love, free sex. Everything was free. Free marijuana, free drugs. And they were the anti-establishment. Now their values have become establishment to where the Christian values are being hounded and Chased and hunted down. And the establishment now believes in very lax morality. In fact there is no moral fiber of foundation. Among what we call liberal people. Uh, And those are establishment people. They have worked their way into every institution in our nation. Churches included. Where churches now ordain homosexuals. They do same sex marriages. All of this has has turned upside down so what's needed then is a uh, a return to um, a high moral standard God knows it's needed and so that's why we pray for revival so people who have like belief have the ability to understand that things aren't right and when they're not right If we will pray, God will heal our land. You got me? He will undo all this stuff that's been done. Uh, It amazes me the exposure that immorality has now. In that people just know what it is, just glancing at it. Whereas it had been very subtle in in generations before and in years before. Uh, for many years, people laughed at the drug culture and the hippie culture. Now it's pretty much taken over the world. Uh, I was... uh, uh Pleasantly surprised and these are the things you don't hear all the time because because press people are so liberal in the way they think you don't hear about when did we think that being against drugs was a minority interest. Uh, or what conservative interests, we'll put it that way, uh, in that our government was not interested in stopping the drug trade. But I, I decided <coughs> that I would follow the um, issues in this election. And when I, I watched Donald Trump talking, I guess the president of Mexico invited him and Uh, um, Hillary Clinton the uh, Democrat and Republican nominees down uh, for a meeting and to confer with them and talk about mutual problems and mutual interests and uh, Hillary Clinton uh, declined to go uh, but when Donald Trump showed up they had a, a very what I thought was a very heartfelt and productive talk about mutual problems and I was To be honest with you, I was shocked to see that... They are concerned about the same things this country is concerned about. And what the president of Mexico is very concerned about is the help that the drug cartels seem to be getting from this country as far as their supply of weapons and money. Is You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you can have these goofy ideas about people. And until God opens the door for your eyes to be enlightened, you won't know anything. You know, you'll think, oh, we just got a few immigrants coming in here and there there's hundreds of thousands of people who come across that border illegally and the Mexican government doesn't like it and we don't like it either so here we have a mutual concern that we can work together on that you won't know until God opens the door for these dialogues to take place and for these things to happen so to me that's just one example of the enlightenment that seems to be coming because we're getting beyond the the everyday biased press telling us you know we 're all if you if you have any morality in you you 're a homophobe you know you get sick of being called names because you love God, you see what i 'm saying, and so you turn that stuff off, but when you get an opportunity, I encourage you uh, find some of these websites that will give you information that 's not mainstream because they 're all preaching the same thing you know it 's just like um When the communists took over, when they took over in Russia, uh, I I remember reading a book and it said, uh, step one, take God away from the people. See, that's step one in in brainwashing and doctrine. You take God away from them. And so in this country, uh, they've taken you know any display at christmas that has anything to do with jesus now i guess in in the military chaplains cannot preach in jesus name they can't pray in jesus name so they're taking god out of everything and then intimidating people with lawsuits if they they mention his name and so you know we read about the underground church in different countries and so forth in the empowerment meeting but we are the underground church folks and we're going to find more and more that the, the uh, churches we see on television do not preach the gospel because I'm taking note and I'm checking off who's got a feel good message and God will do it never ever address Jesus repenting of your sins the atonement and it used to be that's all that was ever preached when the pioneers in Christian television were on, Rex Humbert, well, he was an evangelist. They preached salvation every time they were on. Jimmy Swaggart, when he first started, he preached salvation all the time. Pat Robertson, he still preaches salvation, you know, which is a blessing. But you look at the rest of them, they're all preaching either prosperity, they're all preaching some kind of faith message, they think. But they never address the sin issue and that Jesus Christ came to deliver you from your sins. Very, very rare you find that on Christian television. They've got... Um... Mineral supplements, vitamin supplements, health gurus, exercise videos. they got all kind of stuff, but the gospel is woefully missing. And so we need to understand that there's something going on that's stealing truth from people. It's stealing truth from the airwaves. It's stealing truth from the messages that we hear. And all we hear is some kind of liberal way of living. Some kind of... Um, You know, off the wall, you know, values for your life, the so-called reality shows are nothing but violence and humiliation. You know, and these people are supposedly friends of one another and they get together and backbite and fight and violate each other's feelings and so forth. And that's all there is to life for them. So we, we as believers have to be careful to protect our belief system. You've got to protect that. And you've got to daily meditate on the word. You've got to consider not a lot of this foolishness. Many times we overlook it as not being important. But what is important? That's what you have to ask yourself. What is important? So God, the world believes in self-gratification only. We said that. The anti-establishment has now become the establishment in our nation and most of the world. And the sexual revolution began in the 60's. It was a counter wave to the healing revivals of the 40's and 50's. So whenever the enemy sees the message of the gospel pulling large numbers of people toward it he develops a counter movement. To stop that and derail it. And that's when he came up with this promiscuous uh, thing. And it was tied in with something that seemed to be very popular among people. And that was the anti-war movement. So you had a bunch of immoral drug drug-smoking people leading an anti-war movement. And if you joined the anti-war sentiment, you went along with everything that they had to offer. And that's really how uh, the hippie culture got to be so pervasive. It got to be pervasive in music. And the music was fueled by witchcraft. And, and you could see that in the fate of many of their leaders. And that's why many of their uh, um, musicians... That are in the forefront die uh, prematurely. Because the witchcraft comes and claims their lives. The Jesus movement then began to overlap with the hippie movement. If you remember that. There were uh, people were. uh, They were beginning what they call the mega churches. They didn't start out being big churches, but they started out as evangelical movements. And there was uh, a lot of mixing in the hippie culture. With the revival that was going on, and so when people would have revival, they would take people in from all walks of life, and many hippies came to receive Christ. Uh, out in California, they would have these large mass baptisms out out on the beach, you know, in the Pacific Ocean. They um, Chuck Smith, started, the late Chuck Smith, began a church uh, out there, which really, to be honest with you, for a church that started on on fire they are very 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 lukewarm now and that's just in two generations you know starting that church and so there was uh, during that time during the 60s there was a lot of public protest regarding uh, human rights first was civil rights then it was women's rights and it seems like every minority group comes On the heels of the other to demand their piece of the pie as well. And so liberalism fosters all of that. And it's like well if we gave you rights we got to give you rights. What do you want to do? It's immoral. But that's okay. You can do it. And so it goes down from there. You see. Uh, Civil rights was never meant to be a movement that demoralized people. Uh, It was to elevate humanity to a level. Where we respected one another regardless of what we looked like, so forth and so on, but it was never uh, to lessen our moral um, standard of living uh, and because it was led by a, a Christian and a minister. And so there was nothing immoral about what Reverend King preached and what he stood for. Um, it was correcting a wrong that really was in violation of our Constitution. And so uh, it, it was something that was meant to complete uh, the Constitution in the way that it was uh, administered for all human beings. It was not meant to be anti-Constitution. So now the uh, movement, the establishment is very much anti-Constitution. They think the Constitution uh, should be done away with in many ways. So the first thing they want to do is confiscate as much as they can of your personal freedom and personal property. Uh, One of the last... Uh, last rights is the right to defend yourself, defend your person. And so um, the Second Amendment, because you can tell the amendments because they're so uh, high up on the list, it was a thought that came with the creation of the Constitution. The Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, was really intended to protect yourself against intrusive government. Not necessarily your neighbors and your friends. Because the the authors of the constitution uh, were escaping uh, um, uh, monarchy government in Europe. And they knew that if somebody had total control... Uh, unchecked control to govern people there the first thing that would happen would be tyranny would develop where the people's rights would be taken away. so the second amendment really was to protect you from illegal seizure of your person, your property, and anything you that was rightfully yours from government that was it, and so <clears throat> now we have. That's kind of a pervasive idea where government now, uh, leaders have been espousing, uh, share of the wealth. When people have no right to what belongs to you. And so, you know, you'll find people who are Second Amendment defenders are very, very, when they hear things like, their antenna go up, when they hear things about take away from one person who has earned it and give it to another one who hasn't. And so these ideas are not, they're not biblical, they're not, um, Capitalist, for sure, and that's what this nation. This nation is really a republic. Did it, it, the economy is capitalist? It's not. Doesn't fall in line with any of that. But it's really, really very socialistic and very communistic in in the way that it is. And so this country has always fought communism. Now seem to be embracing it. And so, and, and this is why I think many people, fifty percent of people in this country, do not vote because they don't feel engaged. They don't feel that they have a voice. That They don't feel that they can do anything to stop the onslaught of uh, change in the way that that this country is set up and what we do. All systems have problems. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's why they have amendments to the Constitution. That's why we have different branches of government. And so people who really believe in what this country stands for and believe that it was founded because God wanted it, founded, are willing to stand and defend that against all of this stuff. I say all that to say this, that there are many, many areas where the enemy will try to get you to friend him. In your beliefs, I think it's wrong for people to be persecuted for any reason, homosexual, whatever. You don't pick on people and single them out, but you do preach truth when you have to preach truth. And so, when you're preaching truth, you're not picking picking people out. That truth will fall on anybody that that hears it. And so, we have to, as Christians, understand what we are here for. Hold on to our beliefs. Don't make friends with the world just because, you know, it's always been a tradition, a family tradition to make friends with the world in this thing. Uh, abortion is, is horrendous in what it does to the individual. It's probably the worst of the silent uh, oppressions that have been legislated in this nation. It's a deception as well. There's a lot of money being sold in in selling baby parts. Uh, we've seen that and and yet our Congress does nothing to stop it. Now, few a handful of people try to speak for the will of the people and stop it. There's no reason your tax money should be used to pay for something that you don't believe in. But we're being told that and then we're being forced to say it's okay, you know. So you hold on to your beliefs. Uh, abortion is murder. Killing is murder. Taking innocent life is is uh, murder in, of the highest degree because they have no voice to speak for them unless somebody speaks up for them. And so this is something that we're being told is a right of all women uh, to kill a life that they think is not convenient for them. And so we have to be careful as believers. You don't Pal up with this stuff. You don't uh, go along with it. You you know nobody. Uh, if you don't want the baby, quit having sex. That's that's pretty that's pretty um, automatic. You know, <laughs> if, if if I'm doing something and it's hurting me, I quit doing it. That's, most people understand that they people have choice way before they make that choice, and so you know you need to make the right choice. At the right time. The out of wedlock birth rate is now four times what it was in the 1960s. And race, it doesn't depend, I mean it's almost not a factor because it affects almost all races. The increase of it affects almost all races at the same pace. Poverty areas always have more abortion because it's more readily available. There are far more abortion clinics in inner cities than there are in suburban areas and so we have to realize uh that what is being done that the devil is quickly eliminating people uh trying to annihilate the human race if he can't do it one way he'll do it another and so these ideas are thought of as being humane they're they thought of as being um progressive and they're thought of as being uh good opportunities for people to for the human race to advance And so I don't see much advancement. I see a lot of depravity. I see a lot of immorality. I see a lot of people, um, uh, you know, doing things that they feel are the right things. And I see a lot of wickedness and anger in people. And I see a lot of disillusionment and disappointment so it looks like the more we get the ability as a nation and as a people to determine our own lives and do things for our own convenience the worse it gets for us Uh, the level of uh, unhappiness among people the level of suicide the level of drug abuse Rehab, all of that stuff is dramatically increased as the morality has declined. And so, this is what people in the mainstream don't want you to look at. They don't want you to look at, you know, the problem is sin. Um, they, 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 people are coming up with solutions. Uh, one thing is this business about being concerned about the condition of the earth. So, now all of the, liberal people, uh, we've got to save the planet. Gotta say, well you take God away from people and they'll pick up anything as a religion, so that now is a religion for them. Global warming is, is a hoax. It's really not true, but they and it's just a, a it comes as an excuse to exterminate people. Uh, because what they say is because each individual has to be careful about how much carbon you release in the atmosphere, now they want you to release less. Well, what's going to happen? You start killing people. You kill up everybody, we won't have that problem. So, you know, it, there's, it all ties in together uh, for a, a, a degrading of humanity to a much lower level uh, than it is now so all of this is enmity against God you see They're, these people are enemies of God uh, I have nothing against not wasting preserving conserving all of that but none of this is God based these people don't don't hear from God and there's lots of money being made in these things so as, as a smart person you have to follow the money to see what the motive is in these things Christians are being hunted down and run out of the public square. We are told we don't have a voice anymore. We are being told um, it was uh, in Texas a newly elected female mayor who is a lesbian uh, called for all of the ministers, Christian churches, for the ministers to submit their their sermons to her for her approval you know, before they could preach them. And so... Um, Larger, uh, there was a group of ministers that got together and totally refused to do it. And she had to eat her words. But don't think that the devil won't try it again. (coughs) And so we have to be very, very careful what we go along with. Uh, As Christians, uh, what you you believe, you will act on. Uh, All people do that. Uh, When you talk about electing people, that's a prayer of agreement with everything that they believe. And so you have to be careful as a child of God to stay on God's side. Stay on God's side. Uh, people say, "Well, nobody is, is a Christian. Nobody's talking like it." Listen, you better stay on God's side, so God can tell you what to do. When the, when the children of Israel were uh, were in Babylon, and they were uh, imprisoned in Babylon, they still stood for God. So, you're in a country that has temple prostitutes, that, uh, you know, sex orgies in the palace, and you're called to live there and work there. Uh, You better find out. And Daniel realized, he says, you know, I'm going to hold the line. He says, if I don't get involved with. Their food and their drink, I won't be at the orgy and I won't sin against God. You got me? And so you can hold the line. I don't care who it is and what they believe. As a believer, you can hold the line and not cross the line. You just have to find out what's dear to God's heart. When we when we uh, preach the gospel or we express the word of God, uh, we get name calling from the devil and, and his people, and that's all he can ever do is accuse. That's his his tactic is accusing people. Uh, some of the words that are used are racist, bigot, homophobe, uh, terrorist, uh, uh, xenophobe, Islamophobe. All of the phobes. So they say oh you're scared of those people. Uh, and to show you're not scared of them. you got to believe what they do is right. And embrace them. Well put me down as all them phobes. You check me off. As all the phobes. Uh, if you disagree with establishment. You're deplorable. All the terms that the world uses. To describe. God fearing. Bible believing people. We saw a a very strong and and admirable Christian family run off television because illegally, they were illegally, uh, somebody illegally found some closed, um, sealed documents, court documents, where one of their children was having what most psychologists describe as normal sexual curiosity. That's what the world calls it. But when the Christian, when it happens to the Christian, you're some kind of pervert. You're twisted and you get drummed off television. Anti homosexual teaching and preaching is forbidden everywhere. You can't say anything against. You got me? One of the things that I saw that that, uh, really disheartened me about this was uh, a ministry called Exodus was a ministry to ex-gays, uh, and it was a Christian ministry, to help them to adjust to Christian living. They were so persecuted that the leader renounced his beliefs and shut down that ministry after 40 years. <coughs> so he's running scared because the, the system just wore him down. You know, you can't do that anymore. He began to have doubts about his own commitment to heterosexual living, so forth and so on. So this is what happens when we come friendly with the world for whatever reason. So you you got to hold on to your beliefs, folks. You you see what happens in these nations that openly persecute Christians and where evangelism and true Christianity are outlawed. And we've got to hold on and actually get bolder in our proclamation of what God's Word says, or we will go down with the rest of society. Bev, our society, uh, what's proclaimed from the majority of, of news outlets, is immoral. It it it. Uh, uh, uh slanders Christians and it slanders anybody who wants to stand against what they are doing. And I believe what they are doing uh, ties into a larger global picture of uh, having a one world government. Uh, the, when you see the word open borders and you see the concept of uh, they tried it in Europe. Thank God Great Britain is fighting back. Uh, hopefully they can hold on but they put their borders up again they got out of the European Union they had one currency there uh, I find that when I mention this a lot of people aren't even aware of what's been going on over in Europe that's why our our border between Mexico that wall was never built because our leaders are planning to go in with the global Thing. so they want to sit there with the rich um, uh, Arab sheikhs and all these other people and command people around like we're nothing and so democracy leaves when globalism comes in you have one world government and I am tell you it ain't going to be a free one because that's been tried before remember Caesar? Rome owned the known world and what happened? it, it, it it caused the birth of Jesus. <laughs> he said, nope, he ain't coming in. He, no. See, that's where God really gets involved. He said, one world government, I own it already. You ain't running nothing down here by yourself. When the, when the Tower of Babel was built, they were of one language and they tried to build a ladder almost up to heaven. God came down and confused him. He said, I got an answer for that too. So if his people... Who are called by his name will humble themselves, stand fast in what you believe. You must stay with the word of God. No compromise. You cannot compromise on the word of God. You'll find yourself going down a a very dark place uh, because God... (laughs) <laughs> Too many times in the Bible, God would tell Moses, get the, they're starting to mess up down there. Get everybody together. Draw a line and say, who is on the Lord's side? Come over here. Whoever is not, go over there. And the ground usually opened them up and swallowed them up. So you got to be careful what, line you, you know, what side of the line that you're on. Always stay on God's side. You'll get help on God's side. You'll get protection on God's side. <laughs> if, like the Hebrew hebrew boy said you know what uh we don't even have to pray about this we don't think about this Uh, but our god we serve him continually he'll rescue us but if he don't just let me let you know up front i ain't going along with your nonsense Uh, we don't go along with your nonsense You cannot serve two masters ever. You can't have a little bit from here and a little bit from there and and say you love God. You either love him or you don't. He doesn't do that to us. He doesn't love the devil a little bit and let the devil run all over us. Does he? He stands against the enemy and we stand against the enemy and we win. We have to be careful in doubting what God has told us. Amen. Amen. Not let the world wear you down, mocking, accusing, all that kind of stuff. Just let them do that. You you have an immunity to that. Jesus took that already in your place. You have to take that from people. So this is what happens when we come be, become friendly with the world for whatever reason. Amen. The world will find a way to seduce us over to their side. We have to... <coughs> We have to understand that when we become emotionally involved in what the world does, that the world has our attention. You have to be careful. Guard yourself against trying to understand worldly thoughts and ideas. You don't need to understand anything. If you have lack of something, let your request be made known to God. He will come with an answer and straighten you out we have to be careful imitating the world you know uh, you know in christian christianity uh, we have this insecurity about us somehow that we if we we like our music better if it sounds more worldly we like our our clothes better if they look more worldly we like our this better if they, I don't want to look like so and so and such you know and you get people coming in to church with jeans with holes in them and all this kind of stuff and, and you know what's the difference in that in the world you know has god brought any dignity into your life at all where you feel uh, that you can honor Him and the way you dress and the way you talk and the way you look. All this kind of stuff. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. Hold on to what God gives you. Amen. Hold on to what He gives you. When the world has our attention, we give less of it to God. So when you love people, you give them attention. When the world gets your attention, you give less attention to God. Whomever we're friends with, we spend time with. Then you cannot serve two masters ever. You think you love God, but when push comes to shove you'll go inside with the world. Well you don't really love God. You you have to love him all the way. You just (laughs) When somebody loves you, it's no good unless they love you. There you go. Old blue eyes. Thank you very much, Mr. Gary. Yeah. See? (laughs) <laughs> but it's true it ain't no good you gonna go all the way it ain't no good the old blue eyes knew it we ought to know it too <laughs> but it is true <laughs> but it's 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 amazing uh, it's amazing the changes and and for somebody my age I've lived to see them all and I don't like what I'm seeing I really don't I don't like what I'm seeing. Attacks of Satan are strategy to steal our attention from God. Things like trouble with your marriage, trouble with your money, trouble with your health. Those are distractions to steal our attention away from God. That's why the Bible tells us when you pray, believe, you receive it then. And you'll have it. And then you can go on to living for God every day. You don't have to keep worrying about what's going to happen with this and what's going to happen with that. And so in our our believing, we must hold on and be clear about what God's word says. Be careful. You know, we we live in an uh, audio-based society, in a visual society. It's easy to turn on the TV Or turn on a CD and get your ideas. But don't ever skip daily reading your Bible and feasting your eyes on God's word and letting him talk to you. That's his fellowship with you where he speaks to you clearly from his word. I realize there are some wonderful teachers we have, some wonderful insights, but God is still your Father. He puts those people here to help you understand Him. But you got to understand Him, and you get that best yourself through His Word. Whatever we believe, we'll meditate on. Whatever meditate on, we believe. And then we'll act on what we think. And so believing, thinking, and acting... Are closely related. That's how people live. You believe that you should give to God. And so you'll think about how much to give. You think, And so you act on it. And you give. What, what is in your heart to give. And so life is just like that. Whatever we're exposed to. We meditate on. Whatever we meditate on. We have to make a decision about whether or not we believe it. And usually what we think on most of the time is what we believe. So from the abundance of our heart, our mouth will begin to speak and we'll begin to follow up on what we say. So it's always good and that's a a blessing to know that because you can change what you believe because you can change what you think about very easily you can change how you think about things you think about them to the negative or to the positive if you make no judgment about things you're really believing it there's no such thing as you don't make a decision on it you see you either renounce it and say that's not right I don't want any part of it or you receive it you know when it comes to your ears so be careful Jesus said be careful how you hear you know if you're hearing with spiritual ears you'll be able to judge things kick out the things that don't line up with God's word. If you're just hearing with carnal ears you just kind of let it go in and it settles in there somewhere and pretty soon it becomes part of your belief system. Beliefs are centered in habits. So the other part that you become friends with is in your habits. Christians a habit is a routine behavior pattern that is followed so routinely that it becomes involuntary. You know, you don't even think about whether or not you're going to do something. For instance, if if I'm in the habit of coming to Detroit twice a month, it's a habit because I don't even think about not going. I don't think about doing something else. I don't think about spending my Saturday doing it. That's a habit. Many times people resist habitual things that are good for them by looking for an excuse not to continue with it. Um, it, There's something built into us that understands and knows when we're submitting to something. That thing is called rebellion. And it will it will jackknife on us and cause us to stop doing something on a routine basis when it's at the place of becoming an un- involuntary habit. And uh, um, it, it, we're not aware of it most of the time. In fact, we would think that it's not really in operation, but it is. Because... Habits are so powerful and in your soul knows how powerful a habit is and so your soul rebellion that's in your soul will look for an opportunity to make an excuse not to fulfill on that behavior so the habit doesn't develop. It's like, say, for instance, if you you decide, well, I, I need to lose. <laughs> I won't even go there. But that's a that's that's a simple, common, ordinary. You know, I need to lose forty pounds. I need to lose fifty pounds. Whatever it is, you feel like you want to lose ten pounds, twenty pounds, and so you you make some changes in your routine. And things are going well. And then all of a sudden the idea comes to you. Well I've been doing pretty good. I can cheat a little bit. And see it's just at the point. If you kept doing it. No, I'm serious. This, no, this is not everybody can relate to this cuz we all do it. It is not with losing weight, it's with coming to church, it's with giving up your Saturdays to serve God, it's whatever it is that you do habitually. Sometimes it's, it's it's things you do for other people. Now the devil come to me sometimes I would there were some things I would do for my husband without questioning and devil said, "Well, <coughs> he doesn't appreciate it." He, when was the last time he said thanks? <laughs> See, the devil doesn't like good habits because they shut him out. Because if it got to be automatic and you never questioned it and you just did it anyway. Look at if it's something where you're sowing out of righteousness and purity and love in your heart. Look at the power in God that you will attain if you did that consistently without stopping and without questioning it you see what I'm saying? And so the enemy hates habits. Your carnal soul hates the development of habits and will sit back and rebel against. You ever see the one person that wants to be different than everybody? That's what that is. See, that's the devil. Everybody else is going along with whatever it is and having a good time. you got one person that wants to stand out and look different, act different, and that's what the devil does. Because it it breaks the spirit of unity. It, it, like Ananias and Sapphira. They see everybody coming in, laying down money at the apostles feet. Going selling their property. Selling their goods. You know, if, if they had a good catch, they sold everything. All the fish they sold. They bring all the money and put it in. The, and they don't like it. Something in them says, "Well, you don't have to give all your money to God. You can keep back some for yourself." Well, Peter said you could have done that freely. It's a free will offering. He said, "But where you made your mistake was you lied about it. You told us you sold that money, that property for this much, and you brought everything that you sold that that property for." That's where you made your mistake. So God doesn't care if you keep something for yourself. If you think you want it or you need it. What he cares about is what you say about what you do. Are you honest in your dealings with yourself? And so many times with Christians, you know, what we call hypocrisy. Everybody's going along with everything. Oh, we did this. We did that. We And then somebody's I didn't do it. <laughs> you know they don't know I didn't do it, but I said I gave you whatever, whatever. and so there's that rebellion. it and it comes up in the human soul at times when God really and think about this. If you developed a habit where you sowed into God's kingdom without fail, consistently, non-stop think of the integrity. And the trust that God would begin to place in you to manage and handle and all that more stuff for him. Because he, he's He's judged you trustworthy now. He says, you know what? Uh, uh, Gary, Gary and Karen are going to give X number of dollars no matter what happens. And I can trust them. So I'm going to make their life easy in advance of them giving. You got me? See, when you've got a habit where you do it without fail, and God knows how to, to observe you long enough to know when it's in your heart and you're going to do it automatically. The devil knows that too. So the devil will try and stop you from doing it automatically to get you out of the habit. So you have to start kind of like all over. Then your soul gets messed up. Well, I should have done this. and oh, Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just quitting. I can't do this. Just like with the 30 pound weight loss. You got me? That's why we keep starting over again. Because when we get out of the habit, we sit and we beat ourselves up for not doing it. Then you want to console yourself with more food. And then you, you know, you, y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, this is crazy. But it's it's a fact of human life. It's a fact of human life. So the enemy wants us, instead of making good habits, spiritual habits, sowing to the spirit without fail. He wants us to develop. That's why it's good to be quick to respond when God tells you to do something. Because you take out the decision part of it where you might say no when you need to say yes. You don't have to pray about every single thing that comes up when you've already committed in your heart to to go the way of the Spirit. The way of the Spirit is always to give. It's always to love. It's always to forgive. It's always to trust. It's always to share Christ with people and your stuff with them. You got me. So we we have to understand this. But but the enemy hates spiritual habits. Hates them. Because it indicates a strong belief in God and his word and what you're doing. You're not lax in it. <clears throat> you're not looking for a loophole. You're not looking for a way out. You're not looking for excuse not to. You're looking for uh, uh, to develop a habit of doing it. Things that, that if we could do them automatically, we'd have it made, man. As a church, as a body of people, as a uh, as a human race. There are certain things that we could do them automatically. This world would be a wonderful place. But the devil fights us for them. We have to fight back. So um, God wants us to habitually follow him for several reasons. Number one, he wants his promises to be fulfilled in our lives. Because that's his vision and his goal for us. He wants us to know what it really means to be blessed. He wants us to know the blessed life. He wants us to know the prosperous life. He wants us to know all of that. <coughs> Number two is that we benefit from it. Habitually following God will cause us to benefit greatly in our lives. You benefit Spiritually. It doesn't have to be a material benefit. spiritual benefit is worth its weight in gold. You have more contentment, more peace of mind, less disturbance in your soul. You see more clearly the way out of difficulties. You have that confidence in God. When you walk with Him, you walk in confidence. God's purpose is realized in your life. You and you get the benefit. When you walk in God's purpose, you benefit. You talk about something that will increase your sense of self-worth. You start understanding that you're obeying God's purpose for your life. And you, you'll, your, your sense of what they call self-esteem or your value, your dignity, all of that increases by leaps and bounds. Satan's kingdom decreases when we habitually follow the Lord. He can't find us to use us, you know what I'm saying? So his kingdom decreases. Godly habits ensure godly results or the results of God or the reward of God. If you are a friend of God, you cultivate certain friendship habits. First of all, you consider God in everything you do. Every decision you make... Every hour you spend, and I'm not saying, you know, God is on your mind, real heavy, but you're aware to follow the Holy Spirit, His leading within you. That's what I mean by considering God. Number two is we seek to please God. You on purpose desire to please God. Now, pleasing God is not the same thing as pleasing people who criticize you because you don't do everything right. In their eyes. A person who's confident in their relationship with God knows that if your ways please him, he takes care of people. People's ideas about you will increase. When you're a friend of God, you esteem him highly. You don't play around. When he gives you something to do, you say, yes sir, I'll go right now. You consider what he wants you to do in your relationships with people. Number four, you include God in all your plans. All your ways acknowledge Him. Looking for Him to open the door and direct you the way to go. When you're friends with God, you don't seek to offend. You don't seek to. You don't get to the point where you don't care If you're offensive to people, you got me? Number six is you show love to God. You worship Him, put Him first, create an atmosphere of thanksgiving around yourself, and most important, you spend time with Him. Share life with Him. Friendship. From friendship comes fellowship. That's spending time. Being comfortable there. And that's what God wants for all of us. He died to give us access so we could have fellowship with Him. We can come in and talk to Him. Be His friend. Learn about Him. Turn away from our wicked ways. If you turn away from your wicked ways, you have to turn towards something or you just turn back to them again. <laughs> so you turn toward God. man. It's not the old Ten Commandments where don't do this, don't do that, don't do that yeah you don't do that, but you do something else in its place. You do some dues. we do some dos, and so when we do our dues, we do it because we love God because we're called according to his purpose, because we we know that that's the best life for us. but it, we have to be so careful, folks, about befriending the world um You have to draw such a straight line, and you're going to get persecuted for it uh, because it's out there. Whenever you make a decision for God, uh, that persecution is going to come. But the the Bible says that's a blessing. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for his name's sake. Amen. So we're we're in good company when we're persecuted for Christ. Stand for something. Don't go along with the rest of the world. They're on the way to hell, and they know it. They've already ex-God out. God's going to save some, but we can't be friends with them and love God too. Amen? Just have to be careful. This is a tough time we're living in, but we can still live for God. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding for the ability to know you and to know you exclusively, Father, that uh, we can have friendship, fellowship with you at all times, Lord. That friendship is beautiful. That fellowship is grand. It produces so much good fruit in our lives. We thank you, Lord. We honor you, and we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. So if anybody needs prayer.